Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Welcome in to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, and with me, as always, is our Fearless beat writer, extraordinaire, superstar, Carter Baines. Carter, how are you on this? It's actually a lovely Wednesday. Jeez, well, that was quite the introduction. Um, it's been a busy week with basketball I know, starting. You're a um, total superstar. Yeah, no, it's it's been kind of hectic so far, but um, always good to come off of another big football win and then the basketball team getting a big win last night, too. Um, you know, there's a lot of positivity down here right now. Is there so yeah, what's the mood? What's what's the student vibe right now? Um, like with football? I mean, do you think there's gonna be a decent sized crowd Friday night? Yeah, you know, student wise, I think I think you'll see a good turnout. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge on those Friday night games uh, with traffic coming down from Portland and whatnot, um, what the overall crowd size will be. But I know the the students are uh, really amped up about the team this year and you know, they've had more success on the road, so I think they're kind of hungry to see a win at home. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a good show today. Um, you and I are going to talk a little U of uh, University of Arizona win. What stood out? What surprised us? We're going to talk some recruiting and some official visitors that will be making their way to Corvallis this weekend that we've confirmed. We'll talk some hoops. You know, Oregon State uh, hosted their first true pre preseason game uh, last night. You were there. Um, we'll go through our quick hits. We'll talk some you a dub preview, and then we have some damn questions from our listeners. But so last week before we, uh, we jumped on, we talked a little bit Halloween. Did you have it? Was Halloween? Is it, is it awesome in college? What was Halloween like? I just want a quick rundown. I actually went home for the weekend. Um, I didn't have anything planned down here. So I went back, spent some time with family and uh, you know, always good to, to get back home, spend time with uh, the family for the holidays and whatnot. So, um, yeah. Did you get I mean, some Reese's? I did. I did. Okay. My mom actually okay, sent me with some Reese's that I've got here at the apartment too. So I'm sweet. Totally stocked. You're taken care of. Okay. Well, I want. I, okay, this is another just quick funny question for you because we're having a debate in my house. Christmas trees. Can they go up before? If you have a fake one, can they go up before Thanksgiving? That's a good question. Because um, I have one kid that says, Mom, put it up now, this weekend, after the Beaver game. And I have another kid saying, absolutely not. So, yeah, I'm more inclined to leave the tree up until, like, February than put it up early. But I think after Thanksgiving, it's a no-brainer. You can put it up for sure. Um, I, I will say at home, I've got a uh, artificial tree with a bunch of Oregon State ornaments that we keep up year-round. So, okay. there's that. There you go. There you go. See, I just like the twinkle lights. I'm ready to put mine up right now, but uh, it's been, like you said, it's been kind of crazy with basketball, with football, with this early Friday game. Um, it's pushing everything up a day for us. But let's talk about that University of Arizona win. Most road points scored in a conference game ever by a Beaver team. And the first time since 2013 that the Beavers have been above 500 in November. What stood out to you in that game? Yeah, those superlatives are really remarkable when you think about it. There's a lot of firsts and, uh, you know, the first time this has happened in this many years. Um, and that's kind of been the story of the season under Coach Smith here in his second year. He's just elevating the program to a, 
a level that it hasn't been in, it hasn't been at for quite some time. And it's really exciting. But yeah, from the game, you know, obviously the offense was uh, lights out. Jake Luton had a, a stellar game, 20, 26, 328, and three touchdowns. Probably his best game of the year. Um, rushing, you know, Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson both ran for over 100 yards. So uh, even attack there. Receiving, yeah, I mean, Noah Tongiai, how about, how about Tongiai getting... Uh, his first touchdown of the year. So, you know, the, the offense was, I mean, on fire. Offensive line was probably their best game in the year too. So I, I was really impressed. I, I agree. I think the offensive line has been a real big surprise. I'm going to go back, you know, talking about, you're talking about how, you know, all, every, all this excitement around Oregon state football. And it seems weird because the beefs are four and four. Does that, is that just, is that just a testament to how far down the team had been for so long? Yeah, it's a, a bit of a reality check for sure when, you know, they're 500 and it's like a holiday down here when they <laughs> when they win a game. So, um, no, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt and you put things in perspective and you realize that, you know, you have to recognize the little things and winning three conference road games before November, what is it now? November 6th. Six. I mean, that hasn't happened in a long time. And so you just, you have to get excited about these things and recognize that, you know, Oregon State's not going to be competing for a conference championship this year. Well, I mean, they are second in the North, but I mean, schedule gets pretty difficult here. So, you know, look, look at the four wins and say, going into the year, I think most people would be happy with it. And yeah. And, and being competitive. Any, anything I mean, they've been from, competitive. Yeah. And anything from here on out is just a bonus. How, I mean, it was, I don't know about you, and I'm probably just being a girl here, but I love it to see the, the team so happy and like doing the fight song afterward and in the locker room. And it just warms my heart. We know what these guys have been through, a lot of them. So um, is there anything that surprised you about that University of Arizona win? Uh, well, I look at the defensive side and I see run defense. Now, last year, Oregon State gave up over 400 rushing yards to Arizona. Like, literally the worst run defense performance you could even possibly imagine. And they go out this year and give up 148, which is, yeah. like, vastly improved. Because, I mean, a little reminder here, Arizona didn't lose J.J. Taylor. You know, he, he's still there. Gary Brightwell's a really good back as well. And, you know, the two of them, yeah, they, they scored three touchdowns combined, but... You know, to hold a really potent rushing attack, um, you know, throw Khalil Tate in there too, under 150 yards is pretty impressive. It's huge. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That was probably my biggest surprise too, because I, I, I still have questions, right? And you know, we've seen them give up some big explosive run plays and to watch them hold that. It, it'll be interesting to see in, in next week how they do against, you know, Benjamin and ASU, because that was another, I don't know if you remember last year, they gave up so many yards to Eno Benjamin. And I made, think he had over were, 300 alone. Yeah, I think he had over 300. And that was, I mean, Oregon State last year made everyone basically look like Heisman contenders. So um, I, I thought that was really good. And like I said, I loved seeing the team excited and and celebrating another win. I mean, so then, then you kind of transition. This has been a big hot topic in the Lodge at Beaver Blitz, and it wasn't part of our schedule, um, Carter, so I apologize. But what... How do you feel? So fans are already looking ahead a little bit here. Two wins and the Beavs are bowl eligible. I, I'm not sure the schedule will allow for two more wins. But how 
does Coach Smith and the, and the staff keep this team focused on game by game and not looking ahead to a potential bowl game? Yeah, Smith has been really adamant about this in the last two, maybe three press conferences on Mondays. Um, you know, it seems like he always gets a question about bowl eligibility and you only need this many wins and whatnot. Um, and, he, you know, he's he's a really level-headed guy and likes to keep a low profile and everything. And that kind of shows in his uh, approach when it comes to bowl games. You know, he's gone out and said that he will shut down conversations about bowl games if they happen in the locker room or, you know, wherever, um, because it's typical coach speak to say we're going to take it one game at a time. But, you know, that is truly the approach that Oregon State's taking here. And, um, you know, Smith has said if once you look ahead, that's when the problems happen and that's when you start overlooking teams and, uh, you know, all of those things that can cause a slip up. So. I mean, it's worked to this point just to just to stay focused on the week at hand. And I think that's what they're going to continue to do. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the schedule, too, there's really nobody you can look ahead with with the schedule ahead. I mean, yeah, exactly. Washington, Arizona State, Washington State, Oregon. So um, but it has to be on their minds. Right. It has to be on the players minds. It probably even is a little bit on the coaches minds that I mean, hey, this is within the realm of possibility because we haven't had that discussion for several years now, probably none of these current players have had that possibility in November. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about how big of a, you know, a boost that would be for the program to make it to a bowl, not only in terms of, you know, recruiting and all that, but an extra month of practice at yeah. this point in the rebuild, that's huge. So for, for all those young guys that are getting time and I agree, it's huge. Yeah. So exposure wise, uh, you know, getting extra practice. No, it, it would be massive for, for the program to get a, to a bowl this early in Smith's tenure. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it's on all of their minds, but the, they're doing the best job they can to kind of push it away. So right now, another, I'm, I'm totally going off you know, here. I, I always plan ahead and I give you kind of what we're going to talk about, but another question popped in my head so far, if you were to have to pick Pac-12 coach of the year, would you have to Smith right now? Probably. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of the turnaround from one year to the next, it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. I, I think the only other candidate would probably be Cristobal at Oregon. And it, you know, pains me to say, obviously, but if they can go through the conference schedule without a loss, I think you kind of automatically look at that and say, well, he did a pretty good job. So yeah. it probably comes down to those two guys. But when you look at Cristobal, I mean, we all we've heard about is how amazing their recruiting classes have been and how awesome five stars. What he's doing at Oregon, is that more impressive than, you know, doing what Smith is doing turnaround-wise with three stars? Well, obviously it's expected. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it comes down to execution, and that's something that Oregon struggled with in recent years and even last year in Cristobal's first year. Um, so... I, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I we, we got a ways to go. We don't need to look ahead. Race. Yeah, we don't need to look ahead anymore. But how fun that both Oregon teams are like the hot topic of conversation within the Pac-12. It's kind yeah, of fun. It's pretty cool. Um, jumping into recruiting, and this is kind of more my my uh, bailiwick here. Um, Oregon State's going to be hosting a couple official visitors. It's it's a little tougher to host official visitors with that Friday night game because players are playing. The the recruits are playing. I'm I'm kind of bummed because. I'm up in Sherwood, and that's where you attended high school as well. And Sherwood is play hosting McNary in the first round of the playoffs on Friday night. And that, of course, is 
Oregon State Commit Junior Wallings team and my alma mater. I went to McNary. So um, I won't be able to make that game, however, because the Beavers are playing. But um, they will be hosting Jonathan Riley, a junior college safety. No offer yet for him, but he does want to come and check out Oregon State. And then um, Commit Shane Katie will also be making the trip um, from Hawaii to uh, for his official visit to Oregon State. He visited unofficially in the summer, but he's coming back now for his weekend visit. Those are the two big ones, um, but I'm sure there'll be a couple more. We're, we're taping this on Wednesday. Should have a few more names here for you um, as we get closer to Friday, but that's the quick update there. But I want to talk about basketball because, Carter, you were at the game last night against CSUN, Cal State Northridge. Um, Beavers won by 20. It, it really wasn't in question, but this was a decent team. I mean, CSUN is, is not some... Team. No, CSUN, uh, you know, they're one of the best teams in the Big West, um, returning the Big West Player of the Year. So, no, I, it's not like they're just scheduling these uh, easy wins early in the year. You start with CSUN and then Iowa State. I mean, that's kind of a brutal start. Um, but, no, they, they looked really good out there. They got a 20-point win, 87-67. to 67. Um and just the individual performances were what stood out the most to me. Trace Tinkle was three assists away from a triple-double in the opening game of the year. So um, I think he's poised for um, Pac-12 Player of the Year season for sure. Zach Reichel, uh, huge game for him. I, I don't have the, uh, the box score pulled up right now, but I know he scored in double digits. Uh, just looks so much more comfortable out there with the ball and then defensively as well. Um, defensively, he know. did. He looked a lot more comfortable. And that's going to be big for him is, um, you know, down the stretch last year, he kind of struggled to stay on the floor because he was, um, you know, he had a tough time finding a way to contribute. And that's one of those big, big key things that keeps you on the floor is if you can play defense. So yeah, defense always leads to offense. And I think we saw that from Reichel yesterday. Were you surprised at all by uh, early, you know, non-conference game and Trace Tinkle and Ethan Thompson both had over 35 minutes each. Is that, does that surprise you that we didn't see more of the younger guys, or is that just the nature of the way the game was playing out? No, it's pretty on brand for Oregon State for you know those top guys to see really, really heavy minutes. So it, it didn't shock me, but uh, I would have liked to see some more guys get a little bit more run. Now, they rotated pretty heavily in the first half. Um, I believe 10 different players saw action in the first half, and seven of them scored. So... You know, it's not like they weren't uh, getting guys in. It was just that Tinkle and Thompson happened to be there, be out there with them. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to see guys like Antoine Vernon potentially uh, get some run. He actually didn't play at all, which really surprised me. But, uh, no, the freshmen looked good, and I think they're just going to continue to earn more minutes as the season goes on. I know you're a huge fan of Jared Lucas. Um how big of an impact do you think he's going to have as a true freshman? I think we could see him kind of lock into a six-man role. Um, I would not be surprised to see him be the first man off the bench and then maybe even contend for a starting spot in a couple games. Um, you know, I'm hesitant to say that any of the freshmen are going to see massive minutes just because that hasn't necessarily been something we've seen under Coach Tinkle. Um, but I, I think this is the most talented group of freshmen that they've had. And I would say Lucas is the best of that group. And so, you know, I think he's going to make a huge difference uh, in terms of just 
added depth and having scoring ability off the bench. We saw him hit a massive shot last night. CSUN pulled within six points in the second half. Lucas hits a three, and then Oregon State goes on a huge scoring run and pulls away with it. So that's, you know, it's huge to have that kind of scoring off the bench. He's automatically going to be one of the best shooters on the team. So, um, well, no, I'll, I, I'll help that. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was, it should help though, Ethan and Trace then by taking some of the pressure off them and, and some of the defense off them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, defensively, Lucas is, you know, we'll, we'll see how he pans out there. He's obviously known for his scoring. Um, but I thought his effort defensively last night was really impressive. And he's clearly a vocal leader too, which is, I mean, that's huge to see from a freshman and then also huge in the second unit to have a guy who gets out there yelling, directing traffic, um, just communicating. I, I could hear him up from, you know, halfway up the, the Coliseum at the media tables. I could hear him, you know, directing the defense. So that's impressive. Um, yeah, no, that, that really, uh, that stood out to me as something that I think is one of those intangibles that's really going to separate him um, from a lot of freshmen in the conference. So switching years now because it's, it's a big weekend coming up and we have Washington on Friday night basketball playing Iowa State Saturday I know you're hitting both games um, it's parents weekend so your parents are in town finals are going to be coming up pretty soon so Carter you like I said you're a superstar and we appreciate everything you're doing for Beaver Blitz let's talk a little bit of Huskies let's, let's go back to football a little bit tough game for the Beavers what do you like about the matchup and maybe what are the, the areas that you're concerned about with this, with this matchup with the Huskies? Yeah, no, obviously Washington's a good team. And I, I think their record is not necessarily indicative of where they're at talent wise. And you know, from a coaching standpoint, obviously they're, you know, they have an incredible staff up there. So um, no, take, take the record with a grain of salt for sure. But yeah, I break down this game offensively and defensively. And I think you look at the two offenses and they're pretty evenly matched. Um, in terms of points per game, um, kind of kind of the uh, the balance they have between running and passing, you know, very similar offenses. Um, defensively, that's going to be where this game is decided. Obviously, Washington has been one of the best defensive teams in the conference over the last I don't know four or five years or so, and they're kind of their rise to prominence on the national level. Um, you know, they lost a lot of guys from last year's team. I mean, that secondary. I don't want to say it's depleted of talent, but you know they they certainly lost some guys. Um, but no, that that unit is is still really good, and I think that's where they hold the advantage over Oregon State, and I think that'll be the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're obviously super talented. How do you think Oregon State's offensive line will match up against their defensive front? Do you think Oregon State will be able to run the ball? I think that's a key matchup, and in, in fact, that's probably going to be something that I focus on throughout the game is just watching, um, you know, the battle in the trenches on when Oregon state has the ball, because the offensive line is arguably the strength of Oregon state's offense. Um, and, and they manhandled Arizona. Oh my my gosh. It was, yeah, no, all of the coaches were saying that was probably the offensive line's best game of the year. And I would completely agree. Um, but no, Washington's defensive line is super, super athletic. Um, you know, normally you don't see defensive linemen rack up like tackles for loss totals and everything. They're just kind of there to to uh, pave the way for linebackers and everything. But 
I mean, that that group for Washington will get into the backfield and they will wreak havoc. So, yeah, definitely a matchup to watch. Got it. So um, you think there's going to be a decent crowd? I hope um, because I, I think this is probably the biggest game of the year for Oregon State to this point. Um, and just in terms of, you know, if you win, you're looking at one more win to get to a bowl game and everything. So do I expect more than 35,000 fans? No, just because it's a Friday. Um, They're but, making a big push on social media. I, I saw Oregon State put out a thing with Jake Luton just kind of asking fans to be there and make the effort to be there that they've put on a, you know, they've done their part and have a competitive team. So, but I, I hear you. I mean, Fridays coming down from Portland is tough for, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's not ideal. And, you know, that happens really anytime with a night game just because you get home so late. But yeah, um, the Friday with the traffic and getting off of work and everything, I think it's just hard to tell. I, I think we'll find out at the game time at game time just because it's it's so hard to predict. Well, let's jump into some our quick hits because you were seven of ten again last week. You're kind of in that seven out of ten every week now. You're you're kind of on a roll, and you were so close on a couple of them. But you know the you know the drill. You know the questions. I'm not gonna try to to mix things up for you. Just need your your picks. Luton will he throw for over 300 yards against the Huskies? No. Who will be the leading rusher? Jefferson. It's getting, it's getting tough now, huh? Yeah, yeah, have that's, them both. that's tricky. Leading receiver? Hodgins. You don't think the Huskies will try to take him out of it? I mean, everybody tries to take him everybody out of it. Everybody tries. It doesn't You're right. Matter. Leading scorer? Uh, tough. I'll go Jefferson. You went Hodgins last week, but it was it was Jamar. Takeaways. Will Oregon State have over or under two? Under. No, they need to work on that. Sacks, over or under two? Over. I, I think they're really going to pressure uh, Jacob Eason. He's shown that he's, uh, I don't, I don't want to say he's weak under pressure, but that's how you kind of crack his game is to, to collapse the pocket. Release, are they going to release ham? Release the ham? I hope week? so. <laughs> um, leading tackler this week. Roberts. Okay. Kicking game over 50%. Over or under? I'll go over. Um, a little less confident about that this week because I don't know how many touchdowns they're going to score, and you know, that translates to extra points, which are easier kicks. So, yeah. I don't know. Kicking game is just such an adventure. I know. It's an adventure. Will the Beavers score over 35? No. And last, will Oregon State's defense hold the Huskies to under 200 yards rushing? After what I saw against Arizona, I think they will. Okay. Awesome. Are you ready? You know what time it is now? Damn question time. Are you ready? Yep. We got some good ones. Some uh, thought-provoking ones. Um, let's see. Here, Sean Leahy asks, who do you think has more to prove on Friday night? A, the road beavers with momentum, Coach Smith going up against his former team and all this bowl talks and all of that starting, or Washington, who lost to Oregon and Utah by a combined nine points and seeking a, quote, get right game to salvage their season? Man, that's a really good question. I um, know. I don't know if 
one side necessarily has more to prove. I think they're just in really, really different spots um, in terms of where they're at this season. You know, I don't know if Oregon State has a lot to prove going up against a team that they're pretty much, I mean, they're going to be outmatched by. So, um, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of expectation there that they have to live up to. Whereas for Washington, the expectation is that they will come down and take care of business after losing two tough games to really good teams. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if there's much to prove on either side other than living up to the expectations of this matchup. But I, but I almost like the position of Oregon State because they have nothing to lose. It's no, so, exactly. Sometimes so much easier to play with nothing to lose, whereas the Huskies will have pressure on their shoulders because they lose this game, and fans start going to swear a little bit, but they're going to start losing their shit. Whereas Oregon State, they have nothing, nothing, you know, no expectations on them at all. So, no, and that's been where Oregon State's thrived this year is going in as the underdog and coming coming away with a win when nobody expects them to. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. David Mainwaring says, update on the efforts of trying to save the red shirt for Trevon Bradford. Yeah. I mean, he's, so, he's going to, he's, I mean, you have the latest, but I, he's going to red shirt, I believe. Yeah, Coach Smith addressed this uh, on Monday. Mentioned that Bradford is still 100% committed to redshirting. He wants to come back for uh, another year. At this point, it just comes down to which game he sits out because going into last week, I kind of expected him to sit out against Arizona and just play the last four games of the year. You know, it's kind of logical. You get an extra week to rest and then you just play the rest of the year. But now he has to pick one of the last four games to uh, sit out to maintain that eligibility. So um, Smith says he expects him to go this week. It's just a, a week by week decision, and it's mostly up to Bradford himself. And and part of that probably comes down. Colby Taylor's been out, so mm-hmm. maybe that has something to do with it. I have a feeling he'll want to play for Oregon against the or in the Oregon game. So probably have him sit out Arizona State or Washington State, possibly. Yeah, that would be my guess. He only has one. He only needs to sit out one more game, and then he can still preserve that red shirt. Yeah. Um. Okay. This. Wesley Bouchang, and this is, we actually kind of touched on this, but with all the bowl speculation going on, I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves as we still have a tough schedule. But how key could those extra practices and game be for this team going into next year? Yeah, we mentioned this a little bit. And, uh, you know, at this point in the rebuild, when you're still, you know, there's still kind of an element of trying to implement a new scheme and everything. Obviously, year two, you're kind of entrenched in um, what you're trying to get done as a coaching staff. But no, I mean, obviously, anybody's going to benefit from an extra month of practice, but even more so when you're trying to build a program from the ground up. So I think it'd be huge. Yeah, I mean, you have 15 practices. It's basically like another entire spring practice. So I, I don't know how Smith would address it, but I know when Coach Riley had these situations, it was... Yes, they practiced for the bowl game, but a lot of the time was spent with the younger guys, with those guys that redshirted it, didn't play, getting them up. And, and I would imagine, you know, a lot with Jebbia as well, you know, having him work with the offense and kind of giving him some reps as well. Yeah. Um, this is a really good one, too. This is totally changing gears a little bit. William Schulten wants to know, who is your favorite player on the current roster and why? Hmm, good question. It's um, a very good question. Just in terms of ability, 
I guess I would go with Hodgins just because I've been so impressed with his ability to get open, um, which is something that we don't really see from the rest of the receiving core. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that he has good footwork before, during, and after the catch, which is something that's really, really difficult to do. Um, to be able to get yourself open, to make catches when you're not open, and then to get space after the catch. Um, now, I've that's something that's really stood out to me um, as one of the, you know, one of the really the surprises of any player this season is just seeing the improvement he's made in all three facets of making a catch. Um, it's just been really fun to watch. How about as a media member and like dealing with with players? Who's your favorite? Hmm. You know, when when Champ Flemings was going through that little breakout earlier in, in the year and he was available a lot more to the media, I was really impressed with um, just how personable of a kid he is, and um, you know, he was kind of a fun interview. So, yeah, Champ's definitely up there. Champ, okay. Um, I'll answer too, just because I, I deal with these guys too. I, I think my favorite player as far as player, and I have a lot. I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of these guys a lot just because I, I deal with from recruiting standpoints and all that. But I think AP, just for a what he's been through, he's a long way from home, and he has played hurt so much this season, not so much, but last season and other seasons, he's played hurt and he plays through it and he's tough. So I really respect that about him. And as far as like interview or just who I like to be around, um, goodness, I mean, there a lot of the, I, I haven't had any of the players be disrespectful or, you know, kind of blow me off. So I think that's, that's always, but JMO Jalen Moore is always, he always makes a point to, you know, say hi and, and, uh, you know, kind of seek, seek us out. And, um, Jeremy Reichner, he's, he's hurt right now, but talk about a kid who, who has stuff together. I, I, I really respect him as well, but there's a lot of, a lot of guys that are, are fun and will give good interviews. Um, you know, who's really improved as far as interviews is Noah Togi. He, he has, his interview skills have improved so much. So he's usually a fun, fun interview as well, but that was a good question. A little, a little more thought provoking, um, but, you know, there, there's always, I, we always have favorites, I guess, when you cover, cover guys every day. But um, David Mainwaring has another question. Which position group, in your opinion, has improved the most from, start, from the start of the year? Uh, defensive line, maybe. Uh, it's yeah, kind of hard, yeah. hard to pinpoint one group that's improved over the course of the year, um, just because I think most of that improvement happened in the offseason. But... No, I, I mean, look at the Oklahoma State game and how Chuba Hubbard just destroyed Oregon State in the run game. Um, you know, we haven't seen that kind of performance really against Oregon State in the last few weeks. So, you know, maybe that's just they haven't faced um, maybe as potent of a rushing attack. But, you know, I mentioned last year they gave up 400 yards on the ground to Arizona and we see them give up 150 this year. I think if they play Arizona in the beginning of the year, they give up a lot more than they did last week. Yeah, I was going to say linebackers have improved a lot. I think a couple of players in my mind that have improved a ton since the start of the season would be Avery Roberts and Tyjon Lindsay. And I don't know if that's just, you know, kind of getting back acclimated to, to actually game, game speed, but I think both those guys have really stood out the past couple of weeks. Yeah, Roberts has really come on uh, lately. Yeah, he was still making an impact earlier in the year, but his tackle numbers weren't necessarily as elevated as they have been uh, since he came back from the concussion. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, Daniel Devaney wants to know what position groups do we see the Beavers addressing with the remaining spots for the 2020 class? Good question. We actually, um, last Friday, we ran um, a war room with kind of the top targets. I see them taking another defensive lineman, most likely a junior college player. And I also see them hitting the junior colleges um, really hard for defensive backs. Right now, Oregon State says with 15 commits, I see them taking four to five more guys. This is not going to be a full 25 class. Um, but there's a couple, you know, uh, Rajon Wright visited already. You have Ja'Cory Godfrey as a, as a player to watch from City College of San Francisco. Justin Harrington out of Bakersfield. And then, like I said, they have Jonathan Riley coming in this weekend, a safety, um, a JC safety. So um, those, I, I see them going really, really hard after the junior college defensive backs. That's kind of my, I, I, in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if the next five commits are all junior college players. So um, they'll be hitting that hard. John that's Dyke, something, oh, that's something that uh, that Jonathan Smith has really um, made a point of emphasis of in his short time here is addressing those groups that need immediate uh, contributors by going to the transfer portal or looking at JUCO guys. Um, and, and so we've seen that with the secondary this year, you know, probably the, the weakest position group on the team how many guys have we seen him get so far, um, you know, just throughout the season to come in next year? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been big and, you know, then you see Nashon Wright who started, you know, is a, is a starter in the secondary and he signed right before the season started. So definitely addressing those needs for instant impact guys. John Diecast wants to know if there's any update on Isaiah Smalls. Haven't heard anything on him unless he missed news. I think they're actually trying to redshirt him. So I know he'd been battling some nagging injuries. He played in the first game, but um, I don't, do you have any update on Smalls? No, we really haven't heard uh, much about him since earlier in the year when I was pretty sure he was cleared. So yeah, uh, no, I, I, I really don't know why he hasn't been on the field. I, I think right now it's more of a redshirt issue because then, you know, right now you had Noah, you have Tegan. They're also getting Luke Musgrave a lot of reps. So if you're able to redshirt him and keep a, a year of eligibility, I think that's kind of the the idea and trying to spread out some of those those guys. Um, David Mays says, Smith needs to start winning at home. What needs to happen? Uh, they need to start playing weaker opponents at home. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> look at the matchups. Oklahoma State, Utah, Washington coming in this week. I mean, they're playing these winnable games on the road. Um, so, you know, I mean, what so there's are you no gonna, conspiracy what, theory that, you know, playing at home is, is, is bugaboo. No, I mean, what are you going to do when you're playing the best teams in the conference and, you know, one of the best teams in the big 12 at home? It's just, I think it just comes down to the matchups really. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do. They, somebody in the lodge posted their, the past couple years, their home schedule has been brutal, the brutal opponents. Um, and last question, Alan Deitch, Deitch. Wants to know what are the chances of the Beavs winning six games this season? He has a bet. Hmm. Interesting bet to make. I, I wonder when yeah. he made it. If that was a preseason bet or a recent. I think. Well, Washington State is a must-win if they're going to get to six wins. And yeah, but do you think that's do you think that's a winnable game? I think that's the that's, hardest. That's the worst matchup of the bunch. Exactly, because you're seeing an air raid offense against a really weak secondary. So. 
that makes it really tricky because that's you know an opponent that overall is probably the weakest left on the schedule and it's just a bad matchup so i don't even know if they can get that one but um and then i look at asu and say that's probably where you get your other win just because they have some weaknesses that you could expose so Mm -hmm. uh i mean it's tricky it's definitely possible to get two more wins but they're really, really going to have to come out and firing on all cylinders, put together complete games and uh, really limit mistakes against those really good opponents. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. I don't see it happening. But I think the best, in my opinion, the best chance would be against Arizona State um, and then possibly Washington, just because I, I just don't like the matchup of Washington State with that air raid offense. But um, And then who knows? Oregon's on the road. It's a road game, Carter. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I, that'll be a, that'll be a, a. I think that could be a better game than we, what we've seen the past couple of years. But um, yeah, I think I think six wins is going to be tough. But um, stranger things have happened, and you can't count out anybody yet. Yeah. Is there anything else, Carter? Before uh, I let you go? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, you know, we we touched on basketball a bit, which was you know kind of a a pressing topic with the season starting. So. Glad we got that uh, squared away, and um, I'm ready for a Friday night game. Friday night game. I'm heading down. I'll bring you some Reese's. Um, Sweet. Basketball Saturday. Stick with Beaver Blitz. And I don't think we got to it last week, Um, but super exciting news. So um, for those of you that don't know, 24-7 Sports is owned by CBS Interactive. We just announced... Carter, this will be big for you. I don't know if you, you've heard this or not. Well, I've already Any, signed up. Oh, you've already signed up. Okay, so you've got it. Anyone that has a VIP membership to Beaver Blitz, not only do you get to read all of 24-7 and all of the great content, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, or, or 24-7 has the biggest and best tw- uh, Pac-12 sites in the whole, in the, you know, anywhere that you're going to find. So I'm um, not only get to read those and, and see what's going on with the opponents, you get an all-access pass to CBS All Access for free, and this is this is not some. I, I know there were some questions about is this just like a one-year only thing? Nope, this is in perpetuity. Um, we're not doing it to try to get you know more money. This is just an added benefit to being a member of Beaver Blitz. So I'm super excited. You already taken advantage of it, Carter. So awesome. Yeah, we get uh, live TV, so we can watch some NFL, little uh, SEC action on Saturday. So pretty nice. So yeah, so there you have it. I know um, a couple other of our subscribers are re- taking advantage of it too. So I'm excited that I know that you guys have have jumped on that. But if you aren't a member, totally time to sign up. Um, you get Carter, and he's doing tons of amazing work. We have Amy Schwartz doing some recruiting coverage for us. Um, I'm helping out with the recruiting. We have Adam Nicholson who's still working on covering the recruiting for baseball and men's and women's basketball. And then just amazing insight from Raju, from Peter, um, the trench report. So many, so many great features, Carter, that um, Beaver fans need to be reading, but take advantage. And then Carter and I will be in the lodge Friday night um, with our live thread. We'll be at the post game press conference. Carter will be at the game basketball game on Saturday, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the damn podcast.